Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Points equals good. This podcast has been saying this for years. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. That's my buddy Matt. I'm back from vacation. I am sicker than shit. So, yes, of course, as as it always is, I go out of town and like literally day two of being up in Ohio camping at a music festival. I start coughing my lungs up, and it's like 40 degrees at night there, so it just got worse and worse, so that was a lot of fun, but anyway, I'm back now and nice and refreshed. Not really, but anyway, we actually got some games hockey to talk about. It's been so long, and it's just preseason, but we are two games into the NHL's preseason, or to the Carolina Hurricanes preseason anyway, Um, and they're 2-0, as it were. We know how the Hurricanes are in the preseason. Probably the best team of all time in the preseason. Dominant. Dominant force when it comes to preseason hockey. Uh, and as we're recording this, the second game between probably like their C squad and the Florida Panthers, who dressed many of their NHL regulars, just wrapped up. It was a pretty dominant effort. I mean, late, the Panthers definitely seemed to come alive and kind of push, but like it was kind of too little too late. The 5-2 final score I mean, the Hurricanes kind of ran it up early on before the Panthers finally turned it on. So there's definitely a lot of performances we need to talk about there. Um, There's some blue line performances we're definitely going to get to. But I actually wanted to start with the goalies. Um, And this, there's two reasons for this. The first of which is, obviously late last season, both Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ronta got banged up. We didn't see Anderson for the last, what, 20, 25 games, something like that. Um, so I was kind of interested to see where he was at in his first game. And I thought he was really, really sharp. Um, I, I thought that was definitely a promising development. You know, you can only take so much away, away from these games. I think that goes without saying. And pretty much everything we're going to talk about tonight, we'll just go ahead and get that disclaimer out of the way. You know, it's the preseason. These games really don't matter. Everything can change once the puck drops on the actual regular season. But I really like what we saw out of both Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta against the Florida Panthers tonight. I think his workload was a little bit heavier through the 40 minutes he was in the net, but he was only in the net for 40 minutes. So obviously there's some reason he was not in the net in the third period. We haven't gotten any news out of this yet. I'm sure at some point we're going to hear something. That's definitely a bit of a red flag that in the last 20 minutes we had to see Zachary Sawchenko take the last uh, period for the Canes. So definitely something to monitor there. But 
as I said, otherwise a promising start for the two Canes NHL goalies. It's it's also possible, just throwing this out here, it's entirely possible that they were just like, you know what? We are comfortably up in this game. It is a preseason game. Rontas had a history of injuries. There is no sense in playing him for these last 20 minutes. We know what we've got in him. Let's just you don't want to risk him getting hurt, but he'll also have more time to get up to game speed this year because he's probably not going to play for the first like four or five games of the season. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, you know, even beyond that, it could have just been something kind of precautionary. Like I saw him do the splits on one save in the second period. And that was like immediately where my mind went when he didn't come out for the, for the third so maybe it was just like, oh, he felt something very, very minor. And it's like, yeah, let's – everything you just said. There's really no ri- sense in risking him going back out there and making it worse or whatever the case may be. Hopefully it is something that's just either precautionary or just, like you said, we've seen enough. He looked really, really good in those first 40 minutes. Big lead. Let's go ahead and just give him the rest of the night off. Yeah. Especially with how injury-prone Anderson is too – You've you've got Piotr behind those two, and he's capable, but your goal is to get Piotr as many starts as he can this year with Chicago. That way, next year, he can come in and take a bigger role with the team. Right. I also liked that we got to see Sachenko play. I mean, I think since he's more than likely a guy that we signed to be an AHL backup, it's good to get a look at him. Because, you know, for whatever reason, Piotr's not ready to go. Sachenko has played NHL games as well, so he can come up if need be. It was nice to get to see him a little bit. Um, We saw Alex Lyon last year. Yeah, and I mean, like, Lyon had been an established pro, and whereas Sachenko, not really. He's, He's kind of a guy that hasn't really had a phenomenal start to his pro career yet. Like, he was, you know, pretty good in the NHL last year with San Jose, but nothing special. And we don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for everybody to get a look. Cause I, I imagine that Anderson Ranta and Kochekov are all going to get two of these preseason games. Probably. I think I heard at some point or another that that was the plan. So there's not a whole lot of time for him to get a chance. So at least get, seeing him get some action against a pretty good NHL team with a lot of firepower, I think that was probably good for him. All right. Point number two I wanted to get to. Uh-oh. Since we started in the net, we'll work our way out. We're multi-pointing this shit. <laughs> um, well, no, no, no. That, that, was, that was really all I had to say on the goalies. But... Ah, I gotcha. Says to move out from the net position what did you see on defense matt other than the one player that i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about because you know points rule all points equals good this podcast has been saying this for years um i think that the more i've watched i i i'm gonna be honest the, the big thing that i've noticed on defense is dylan Coglin's an nhl player man he Nobody was really talking about him because, I mean, let's be honest, you know, you're getting Max Pacioretty, an established NHL player and a guy that can score 30 goals. Then he gets hurt, but, you know, that's beside the point. And you get Dylan Coglin, this guy that played 68 games for the um, Vegas Golden Knights last year, you know, like cool. But you watch him play, and, yes, it's the preseason, but, like, 
He's making passes from the back end. He's quick. He's, he's able to do things with the puck that, you know, like we've been looking for in that second power play unit. You know, we tried it with Ethan Bear. It didn't really work last year. We've tried it with Jacob Slavin and it still hasn't worked. Brett Pesci. We even tried it with Brett Pesci and, you know, Pesci's a great defensive player and he has some offensive tools, but he's not a playmaker and he's not a shooter. So Coglin has some defensive tools. I liked from what I saw tonight. I, I'm going to be honest, you know, he, the, the assist on the Svechnikov goal that he had, it's a secondary assist, but that play doesn't happen without Coglin. It's a beautiful pass through the seam right to Kokanyemi, who's just able to kind of tap the puck to Svechnikov for that absolute rocket of a one-timer, you know? Yep. So I think the Hurricanes have an NHL player in Dylan Coglin. And, ba- I mean, again, we're, we're two preseason games in, so it's really hard to tell. But I would say based on his play in these two games, one of those – third pairing defensive spots has Coglin's name penciled into it right now. It's yeah. not quite in pen yet. Cause things could change. Calvin DeHaan has been his usual dependable self. I thought he was really good on the penalty kill. Um, and had an assist on that shorthanded goal uh, tonight when we we're recording this against the Panthers and Chatfield's good, but I'm going to be honest. He has not elevated to the play of Coglin, DeHaan, and I think Bear was all right tonight as well. Those two guys haven't elevated to the level that Coglin and DeHaan have. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you completely there. If it's me, Dylan Coglin and Calvin DeHaan is your third pair on opening night. Yep. I mean, it's only been two games. Like you said, it's hard to you know say anything definitively at this point in time, but those two guys just look different out there than Bear and Chatfield do to me. And, you know, the best part of that is I just think they match each other perfectly because you've got one guy has really shown off some serious hockey sense with the puck on his stick. I've loved a couple outlet passes he's made. He has vision in the offensive zone, and he gets his shot off quick. Like, we haven't seen we, – we, we've seen a couple of times, actually. We, we've seen him get to showcase his shot a couple of times. He had the deflection goal, and then I think another one of his four assists in two games – came on a rebound from where the it, it was it was just a quick simple release but it was so heavy the, the goalie still couldn't absorb it and keep it like he's got a heavy shot he's got vision there's a reason this dude and I've talked about this kind of pretty much ever since the hurricanes acquired him he put up monster numbers at every single level the AHL juniors everywhere but the NHL I think there's a legitimate chance the hurricanes are going to see it and and I think you couldn't really ask for a better start, you know, like this is kind of exactly what you would hope to see out of a guy like that. That's trying to, you know, really cement himself as an NHL piece. And and I think we've seen right away the reasons the hurricanes went after this guy. Yeah. And and it's so funny that like, usually when you see a team make a trade to acquire a contract, you see them getting something in return. And it kind of got glossed over, but, Coglin's the guy they got in return for taking Pacioretty's contract. They didn't get a draft pick or a prospect. They got a guy who could legitimately help the team today. And with Pacioretty as well, that's two NHL players that they're getting in that one trade. 
Like that's damn fine work from Don Waddell. Honestly, like it might be and Brandon, this is a, this might be a hot take. It might be Don Waddell's best trade. The Nino Ferrask trade is still, I think, the top. That's where I was going to go. I mean, that Nino Ferrask. I think that this has the, here, I'll put it this way then. This has the potential to be Don Waddell's best trade. How's that? How's that? I think that's fair. Sure. I mean, if Pacioretty comes back, if we get like some form of this from Dylan Coughlin, what we're kind of starting to expect or hope he's going to be, and then Max Pacioretty comes back around the all-star break and still has something to give. It can give you a serious goal scoring punch late in the year. If the Canes win a cup, Hey, I agree. <laughs> I think any move kind of looks better if the Canes win the cup, you know, like, right. I mean, hell, even the signing of like Malte Stromwall, who by the way, has an absolute rocket of a shot. Yeah. That's that, like, the other night was nasty. Yeah, that goal was nice. I mean, again, I don't think he he starts with the team. The thing with the Canes, though, is that any player they sign to, like, those one-year, two-way deals has the ability to play up in the lineup if called upon, you know? We saw it last year with Mason, LeJoie, Chatfield, you know, all those players. Uh, Who's the other one? Levo and Podorowski. So this year it's going to be McEckern, it's going to be Stromwald, Nason again, Bonamarov, who we'll get to those guys in a bit. Um, but yeah, the defense is looking solid. I think right now you need to see more from Ethan Bear. Um, you need to see Chatfield make a stand as well. Because um, right now... Again, it's only been one game for Bear, but Dylan Coglin has far and away been the best defenseman on that right side. Battle for the third pair. DeHaan's on an island of his own there because he's the only left-handed defenseman, but like, you know, he's still got to be better than Bear and Chatfield, and I think he has for the most part. Yeah, I'll agree. So I think before we move on, I know it's a little bit early on, we'll probably go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, since... That way we want to take a break while we get into the meat of what we're going to talk about today. But anyway, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Networks. We are going to take just a quick second and get a word from our friends over at DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add on, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes wherever you catch our podcast for important details. Oh, one more point to make. Okay. Sorry. Corey Lavalette literally tweeted this as I finished talking about Dylan Coughlin, so I feel the need to kind of bring it up. He said Coughlin had five block shots tonight. 
And then it goes on to say, I'm about ready to put away the pencil and put him in pen on the third pair. So it's yeah. good to see us all on the same page here about how good Coglin's been. Yeah, I mean, he's been the talk of Kane's Twitter through these two games, and, and for good reason. Like, you know, we, we have an educated fan base. They know what they're talking about, and he's stuck out to everybody for a reason. Um, yeah, happy returns on what we've gotten from him so far. Uh, so now we'll move on to the last leg, the last position grouping of our conversation about these games. The forward core, man, I, there's a lot to talk about here. Now we're going to get to what we were talking about in our DMs because I just think it's a fitting conversation for us to have here as well. Brandon, I told you to keep those private. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> what happens in the DMs stays in the DMs, but apparently right, not right, right. tracking the Storm podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting, and it says a lot about the Hurricanes' draft strategy. The way they were able to put out pretty much a non-NHL lineup, say for a few guys, and they were largely able to keep the pace and play with one of the fastest, high-tempo, high-flying teams of the NHL last year. And now to some degree, the Florida Panthers came out flat. Like, there's no way around that. You know, if they play to their A capabilities, they're probably going to boat race that lineup. Like, let's be real. They came out flat. And, but, but still, like, it's credit to the Hurricanes youngsters that they were able to jump down their throats the way they did. And I'm going to start with a guy like Justin Robida, who I was kind of like, I just didn't think he played as well as he normally does the prospects tourney. Like, I know he's a better player than he showed. He was really, really good tonight. Like, he looked a lot better to me tonight playing against NHLers than he did playing in the prospects tournament against guys that are below his, you know, ability. He's fast as hell. His speed was a major problem for the Florida defense. He has a rocket of a shot. I didn't actually see his goal, which I'm a little disappointed by. But, um, I mean, he was making plays. Him and Jamison Reese together were just a tear. Like, they were hard to play against. A lot of fun to watch. We'll get to Reese a little bit more in a minute, too. But I, I just, I just again, to my original point, I thought it said a lot about the way the Hurricanes have gravitated towards speed and hockey sense and, and high-flying players, which is where the modern NHL is going. Yeah, well, you you can teach a player to make changes to his shot. You can help a player get better at passing. You can't help a player see the ice better or, you know, predict where the play is going. That's so much harder to develop. And if a player already has a high level of hockey sense and a high level of skating, which Robita has both of them, it's good. He's got a hell of a shot, too. So it's like this is a player that, yeah – He's what five seven and probably you know like 170 pounds at best, but he's so smart and he's quick as hell too. His speed is like you said a major problem, and the tough thing about those prospects games is like you know you're coming together to play a brand new system with a bunch of guys that you've never played with before. You know, the guys that have played a handful of games at the AHL level do better because they're playing with guys they played with last year you know so and just pro experience is a big yeah and so robita has been able to get like a week of practice in at prospects camp two weeks actually i think and has been good i've i've liked his play um i think it says a lot that he and hamerla were not sent down during that first round of junior cuts because usually those guys that are unsigned prospects 
heading back to juniors gets uh, sent down right away. Like we saw with Vondras, Montgomery and uh, Bobby Orr. Right. It's not really a death sentence for those three guys, as far as like getting a contract. And obviously with uh, Vondras, we've got years before we have to worry about that, but it really says like, Hey, Robida is good. You know, the Canes want to get more looks at him to see what they've got. And I would not be surprised if he leaves camp with a contract. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I I just get the feeling he's a guy the Hurricanes really like, just kind of the situations they keep putting him in and stuff like that. Um, I mean, well, even just like a little thing, like putting a letter on his jersey, like it's so meaningless, but like it just, I don't know, that, that maybe just be, is like a gut feeling, but it, he seems like a guy that A, is turning some heads and B, just the team seems to like him. I don't know. 18 years old, he was named the captain of his QMJHL team. That's right. That says something about him. For sure. Yeah. So the big thing, you know, I also noticed Panamarov looked good again. And so did Drury. But man, that battle between Panamarov and Drury is going to be fascinating to watch as we keep going through camp. Would not surprise me if both of those players are in the lineup on Saturday. Um, I don't know when this podcast is coming out. So this may be outdated and you're probably like, shut up, Matt at this point but like i'll get it out tomorrow those two players great i think that's you're watching the future of the team start to become close to a reality now like for sure drury probably is in the nhl this year and panamarov's not far behind he might i i the more i see him the more i think he's going to debut this year legitimately Oh, no, I, th- I think he absolutely gets some games like as a call up option. But like, you know, the one thing you also have to keep in mind is like with these preseason games, they're a lot grittier because it's a lot of those depth guys trying to make their way to the NHL. And those guys that play the heavier two way game are going to be more successful. We saw this with Julian Gauthier um, back in 2019. And Obviously, that uh, has worked out swimmingly for the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> um, the thing about Panamarev now, though, that I'm noticing is that he's been good consistently every time I've watched him. So last year, was when he made his a- AHL debut, I was like, wow, Panamarev looks really good. He gets through the rest of the AHL season and the Calder Cup playoffs, I'm like, man, Panamarov's a player. He's looking really good. Prospects camp, same deal, looks great. Tonight's game looks great. So I'm a little more inclined to believe that Panamarov is going to be a legitimate prospect because I've seen it consistently now. Um, and with Reese, I mean, the, the broadcast brought him up tonight. Uh, from the Panther side about you know how consistently good he was he's a pain to play against he was getting in Matthew Kachuk's head which is like impressive <laughs> given how much of a shithead Matthew Kachuk is so when you can out shithead Matthew Kachuk like you're doing something right you know and how about Robida sticking up for him and that one time Robida that- and Bear that's that you <laughs> know that's what really made Bear stand out tonight is he he legitimately stood up against Matthew Kachuk but um, I don't know. It's been good. Obviously, points aren't like the only measure of a player's success. You know, even though uh, like Noel Gundler didn't have any points tonight, I thought he looked pretty good along the wall 
He was making yeah. a few plays. He's he definitely going to take a little longer. He's going to take a while. He, it, you can tell there's a couple times where I think he makes, you know, if he's a little more comfortable, he makes a little more assertive plays. He did have a couple turnovers, especially on the power play. But that's just stuff that, like, I was watching it, and I was like, that's the kind of thing that a few months from now, once he's been in North America a while, isn't going to happen. Like, I just feel like the game's still a little fast for him, which is going to happen with a lot of these kids coming over from Europe. Yeah, it's – it's um. He has less time to make passes. Yeah. Less time to make decisions. So that's an adjustment period. And back to Reese. I haven't gotten a chance to talk about my boy quite yet. So. I'm sorry. I was I was a little long-winded there. No, nah, man. I, I think he's pretty close to in the same boat as Panamarev because, I mean, last preseason we were kind of saying the same thing. It's like when he gets up in these pro-style games, his skill set just fits very well especially in like a depth role for what the Hurricanes want to do because he is such a pain in the ass to play against. And he's got legitimate skill. We saw that a couple of times tonight, the little board battle he won. And then he made that little chip area pass to Justin Robidoff for a breakaway. I was like, Oh my goodness. He had another play where he caused a turnover right at the offensive blue line. And he went in to try to do one of his little toe drags that I've seen him do a million times. And I wish he would have had the room to pull it off, but the defenseman made a really good play. He just didn't have any room. Um, so he ended up losing it, but just lots of little plays. And he, he's, I see the confidence growing in him game by game as well. So those are three guys right there. Jack Drury, Vasily Ponomarev and Jameson Reese. I feel like all three of those guys could easily step into the opening night lineup and play, but they play for the Carolina hurricanes. So it's going to take them. Well, the, in Drury's case, I, I think we're going to see him here, but you know, I, I think those guys, the Hurricanes are in good hands if guys start to go down. Because we haven't even talked about players like Stefan Nason or, you know, any number of guys that could easily step into this line. There's two more people I do want to talk about in a minute that we'll, we'll get to soon. But young talent, man, it's, it's raising up. The Florida Panthers broadcast, you mentioned this a minute ago, they were raving about Reese and all those other guys all night long. It's, it's, it's an impressive collection of nearly NHL-ready talent the Hurricanes have, and just speaks to how bright the future really is in this organization. You know, we've been saying it for years now. Yeah. We're getting there. Well, I will say that Reese, um, Florida's broadcast is a little older. Uh, and Jamison Reese plays a style of hockey that reminds them of the good old days. You're right. You're right. And, <laughs> and so like, sometimes I feel like when people praise reese it's more because they're like this guy used to play like you know some (laughs) old fart that i've never heard of back in 1974 for the philadelphia flyers and i'm like broad street bullies baby right but i'm like all right but like reese can skate better than those guys i would hope right like you know, so when I when I hear stuff about Reese, it always just kind of makes me laugh because sometimes I just know it's like an old guy like wishing that hockey would stop being so soft, which it's not. Right. But like, yeah, that's the one thing I had to say. I was like, I could tell when Florida's broadcast mentioned him. It was like, these are old guys absolutely reminiscing about the good old days. <laughs> so there's still a role for him in today's NHL. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a call at some point this year, too. Um, yeah, if his offensive game can take a step, which uh, I don't think it did last year. So I think if his offensive game can take a step, I think he gets a shot. Yeah. Um, 
And one guy that I, I just thought made a lot of sneaky good plays. You know what? Actually, two that I thought made a lot of sneaky good plays. Now, Andre Kasha did get beat on that second Panthers goal a little bit. He kind of turned his head just for a split second. And let yeah, his... he he got he got dog walked there. Yeah, he did. But I thought other than that, he played really well. Yeah. Um, and Derek Stepan, too. I thought both of those guys made a lot of heady plays in all three zones. And those are really the guys that are keeping the Jamison Reese's and Vasily Panamarov's down. You know, it's not Jordan Martinook as much as we all like to blame it on him and say, if you just send him down, he'd be in the NHL. It's, it's really more so those guys. And I think that's kind of where you see the big difference between, you know, a player like Derek Stepan and a player like Jamison Reese. Stepan made like four excellent defensive plays tonight. Yeah, after goal at one point was like blocking passes from getting out front. He's just very active and makes all these heady little plays. That's the reason Rod Brennamore is going to keep him around. Now, at the same time, we saw him get scratched a lot in the postseason last year, which I still don't totally understand. But I thought Derek Stepan had a great night. He had a snipe for a goal. I mean, this guy's on the NHL roster for a reason. I liked him in Kasha's games a lot, too. So I wanted to see what you saw out of those two players. Well, so Stepan is obviously on a PTO and shouldn't be. He should be signed to an NHL contract. He's good. And he was good last year. I just, you know, like now that Jake Gardner's contract is getting sent to like oblivion, um, it leaves the Hurricanes with space to sign Derek Stepan, which I think was always going to be the plan. Um. Because Derek Stepan could have signed with a number of other NHL teams and signed a PTO like way before other teams started signing players to PTOs, you know? So that's why I'm like... There was obviously some plan there. Yeah, I'm thinking that the Hurricanes were like, hey, just come by on a PTO. We'll get you your contract eventually. But if somebody offers you money, you know, by all means. Right. So I think... Stepan is your ideal fourth line player. And with your prospects, you really don't want your prospects, especially the ones like Panamarov. Hell, I'll throw Drury in there too. You really don't want them playing top minute or like fourth line minutes. Like with Panamarov, chances are, he's getting sent down to play top six minutes for Chicago next year, which is way better than playing like nine minutes a night here in Raleigh. Like that's just a fact because he'll, he'll get some development time. He'll be able to dominate the league and then he can come up and play, you know, 13, 14 minutes a night, which is better. So that's my take is like, you know, with step on, same with Martinuk, right? Like we all bitch about Martinuk and his contract. And I think it's, I was the first person to admit it last year that the hate for Martinuk was very overblown. We just need a whipping boy. And Jordan Martinuk was the worst player. So we decided to pick on him. Like he's a decent fourth line forward at the NHL level. And I understand why people are like, why aren't we playing the kids? Why aren't we doing this? But like, the silly Panamarev ceiling is that of like maybe even a second line forward. So why would you have him play on the fourth line in a crucial development year when you can play him almost 20 minutes a night for 
Chicago. Right. I know Martin Oak's got two more years, including this one, but like, again, Panamarev needs the ice time right now. But don't you think there's something to be said too for a team trying to win a Stanley Cup right now? When I draw up the 12 best players in my mind, even if you're, you know, trying to put fourth line roles on players. So like, you know, you're not going to put a guy like Panamarv on the fourth line. Even when you do that, I just don't think Jordan Martinuk's in that top 12 for the Hurricanes. He's, he's not. And personally, again, I think that Derek Stepan should be. Um, Stepan Kashadruri is a fantastic fourth line. Yeah, and honestly, it could be an NHL third line for about half the league. Yeah. The the thing about it, though, is like Martinuk should be the 13th forward on this team. Rod Brindamore just goes to bat for his guys, and it's abundantly clear that Jordan Martinuk is one of his guys. And I'm just going to shout this into the void now because I know nobody's going to listen to me. But the complaining about Jordan Martinuk has to stop because – that's just kind of it is what it is at this point like he's not a bad player he's a really good guy rod brindamore goes to bat for his guys so he's just gonna be here yeah (laughs) and i mean again i'm gonna plug Corey lavalette and by the way like i covered the prospects showcase with Corey. we're so lucky to have him on the beat here he is such a good person a really good writer asked a lot of really good questions in the press conferences like we're lucky to have him. I know losing Sarah Sivian was a bummer for a lot of folks and it definitely leaves a hole here coverage wise, but Corey's a really good writer. Read he Corey. was also saying tonight, like, and you mine. know, what'd you say? It's a read Corey stuff and mine. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> I like um, to give other people the play. I know I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so Corey said, everywhere I turn this training camp, someone is raving about Ponomarev. It's often goals that get fan and media to pay attention, but the team's enthusiasm about number 92 goes beyond the score sheet. I will say, though, it doesn't give them enough enthusiasm to give him an actual number because 92 is absolutely a prospect's camp number. (laughs) But that's interesting. Like, Ponomarev's great. And is going to be good, but there's no need to rush your prospects because we've seen it with a lot of guys that like, if they get rushed, especially like if fans that were around during the playoff drought might remember like the Drayson Bowman's and the Zach Boychucks and Ryan Murphy's of the world where those guys just get hell, even Elias Lindholm, great NHL player now, but he was mid for the entirety of his Carolina Hurricanes career. Like he was here for what five years? Yeah, uh, he was in 2018, five seasons. So the hurricanes were like, listen, we've got five seasons of this kid just being average. Let's move on from him. And it's because they rushed him initially. Same with Murphy got rushed, Boychuk got rushed, Bowman got rushed. It's like all those guys. So, you know, patience is important. Well, I, I think that's one big difference between this regime as well. And, and, and it's a big luxury to have a good team where you don't have to rush those players. You're actually spending money to bring in free agents that fill those kind of holes. So you don't have to try to rush those rookies before they're ready. 
but they've also proven that they're not going to just throw a guy in the NHL just for the sake of doing so. You know, I think even if a guy like Noah Hannafin got drafted now, I don't think he comes to the NHL right away. You know, I, I think they do a better job of gauging where they're at, giving them the ample time they need. And then, you know, give them a few games. If they're ready, fine. If Seth Jarvis proves he's ready, he stays in the NHL. Who cares about the year off his contract? He's an NHL player. He stays in the NHL. And let's be honest, Justin Robida, based on his play in this one game, would have been in Carolina's top nine in like 2013. You're probably right. So like, you know, we've, we've come a long way. And like, right. I'm not saying that Robida is like, <coughs> I, I don't think he's ready for that position. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen. But like, you know, that's how the Canes were with their prospects. It was like, you've scored one goal. All right, bud, time to get up here. <laughs> you've proven you can score at this level. Right. And, and then you're stuck with a lot of players that just, go nowhere and you're trotting out brett belmore and rasmus rissanen as a defensive pairing jesus christ yeah it's i don't even know if they played together i'm just throwing out out like old former canes prospects good times man we didn't even talk about jack jury scored another goal man all that kid does he puts on the cane sweater it was a deflection goal a double deflection goals they are a coming yeah Kid's good. Yeah, I mean, Drury's going to be good. He's going to play in the NHL this year. I don't have any doubts about that. Um, I, I think, you know, again, we're looking at a guy that scored well at the AHL level, but I don't think he's going to be that same player at the NHL level. But then again, all Jack Drury has done since he was drafted is prove me wrong. Win. So. Yeah, he Jack Drury is a winner. He's said it himself. Uh, you know, I said his skating wasn't going to be an issue or was going to be an issue. That improved. Said he wasn't going to have high-end offensive upside, and he scored really well at the AHL level last year, TBD at the NHL level. But, yeah. Hey, both are main player. I mean, well, those games were against, what, Detroit? Uh, who cares? Yeah. Anyway, Brandon, is there anything for you to talk about? Not really, man. We're getting down to it. We got some uh, very, very fun guests coming up. We got NHL hockey coming up in what, like two weeks from now? We're going to have real, yeah. not even, less than two weeks. We're going to have actual NHL games to talk about. It's a good time, buddy. Yeah, I was going to say we should expect like the first actual round of cuts in the coming days. Most AHL teams start their training camps this week. I think like the earliest teams start is October 1st, which is Sunday. So the Hurricanes may elect to keep a handful of players around, but I I can't see them really doing that because, I mean, you have, I mean, let's think about it. More than enough veterans like AHL veterans to play. Yeah. So the first round of cuts should come tomorrow. I would say we should probably see like a handful of like the Mackenzie McEckerns of the world get sent down. Um, But it would not surprise me to see Justin Robida make it through again. I think Patrick Hammerle gets sent down to junior again this weekend. 
but I think Justin Robidoff sticks for another game. Just to see again what he has. Be interesting to see because that'll give you another little look into, you know, who they really want to get more looks at. The guys are really high on, I'd say. Because, I mean, the fact that he stayed this long, I mean, the Hurricanes know that there is nothing for Justin Robida in the QMJHL. He's been great at that level for two years now. Like, there's nothing left for him to prove. All right. Well, folks, we want to thank you for spending the time with us again this week. Hockey's back, officially. It's not the regular season yet, but it is the preseason, which qualifies in my book. It's been fun. The Hurricanes are undefeated in the preseason at the time of recording this, so we can go ahead and plan the parade. I will see you on Glenwood Avenue. Folks, as always, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>